0: Hello guys, and welcome back to another episode of Crooked Illness. If you are new here, my name is Paris Prankiewicz, and I am the creator and host of the Crooked Illness podcast, where we get into all things health-related. The primary focus of the podcast within the umbrella of health related topics is mental health and mindset. I began Crooked Illness as a way to motivate, inspire, empower, and educate people on these interesting topics. My background and passion for starting Crooked Illness stems from the field of psychology. After completing both my BA in psychology and MBA in healthcare administration, my passion for mental health only continued to grow. As a result of this, I decided to start Crooked Illness to bring more awareness, tips, and conversations to the table about these topics. I offer my perspective on the work I've done and how it inspired me to begin this podcast. Along with this perspective, I also speak about my personal experience with mental health and how I use those experiences to help educate, inspire, and motivate others. I really enjoy doing interviews and connecting with people who also love to discuss and learn more about mental health. If you would like to learn more, become a guest, or connect, feel free to reach out to me by shooting me a message on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, or to my email of crookedillness at gmail.com. Hello, you guys. I am so excited to tell you about this episode that you are about to hear today. So as you guys can see from taking a peek at the title, Defeating Our Inner Enemy, This episode really focuses a lot on inner strength, mental strength, and I'm super excited to feature the story of my guest today. I'm not going to tell you guys too much about her. Or her story because I really want her to get into those details for you. But I decided to do this episode with her after, you know, getting an awesome message from her on Instagram, chatting with her, having this incredible conversation about all of the things that she has personally gone through while being in the military, deployed in the military, receiving a cancer diagnosis, going through chemo and treatments, and then also coming out and publishing an incredible story telling Her experiences. So I was so excited to virtually sit down with her, dive into this story, and hear from her about what it was like going through these different things that we're going to be getting into in the episode. And also another really cool thing about my guest today is she has also started her own business, which is focused on helping primarily uh, veterans and also civilians transitioning out of military life in back into the world as we know it with helping them with their resume. Resume Advantage is, is the business. We're going to be getting into that, what it looks like, how she came about starting that because she has a really cool story of how she has been personally affected by that when she was coming out, transitioning from the military back to civilian life. And it's really interesting to hear about that. So I'm going to let her dive into that with us on the episode, but her story is just so inspiring and just the... The overall message of the mental strength that she has had and how she has developed that and the things that she does on a daily basis to continue building these healthy habits and successful habits and moving forward from very, very challenging situations, very challenging times. I was super excited to hear that from her and you can hear it in her voice when we get into the episode and you guys hear her talk and break down these different moments in her life. So, I'm going to let her get into that and tell you guys about that story because I don't want to say too much and give away too many details. But the takeaways from this episode are going to be a lot, a lot very heavily focused on mental strength and persevering through very challenging times and moments that we have all experienced at some point in our life. And that's really why I wanted to create this episode is just to feature a conversation like this and a message like this for you guys, because everybody has moments and different experiences that aren't easy, that that suck in the moment, that aren't good, that really almost crush our spirit and and really keep us from wanting to move forward or feeling like we are able to do that. So hearing her story has just really got me jacked and really excited about bringing this to you guys and letting you hear it firsthand. So without further ado, let's get right into it, guys. Hello guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Crooked Illness. As you guys can see from the title of today's episode, Defeating Our Inner Enemy, we are going to be discussing what this means, what it looks like, and how to go about tackling this. Here to join me in this conversation by sharing her remarkable story is Brandy Benson. Brandy is an author, speaker, business owner, and Ewing sarcoma cancer survivor. She is also the founder and CEO of Resume Advantage, an empl- employment service for both civilians and transitioning military veterans. I'm very yes. excited to have Brandy here here today to dive into her story and how she was able to defeat her inner enemy and how you can too. So without further ado, welcome Brandy to
1: the podcast. Yay! I'm so excited to be here. First of all, thank you for having me. And then you said it correct. It's called Ewing sarcoma. A lot of people don't know how to say it the correct way. I didn't either for a long, long time, but yeah. Good job, girl. The pronunciation
0: <laughs> thing always gets me. Cause I'm like, I want to, s- how do you say it? Teach me to say it. Cause I don't want to yeah. be like, she had this and it was like, what, what is she? Yeah. Ha- what is that? So yeah,
1: yeah. how do you spell that? Yeah, Get it
0: down. So yes. Yeah, so I'm excited. Cause I remember last time we talked, we had a conversation that went on for a while and we just kept talking yeah. and talking and you were telling me about your experiences and your story. And I was like, we gotta have her on here right now to get into this so I would love if you just to hear about your background and give us a nice overview of your story
1: okay so I am Brandy Benson I am a Ewing sarcoma cancer survivor I'm a cancer advocate I'm CEO you did a really great job with my intro so that's all correct and um, I discovered my cancer when I was deployed in Iraq I was deployed in 2008 to 2009 And it was around December timeframe when I kind of started experiencing the symptoms of the sarcoma Uh, and it was just extreme fatigue and I didn't know that that's what was like contributing to this tiredness. I thought it was just, I'm in the middle of a war zone. I'm exhausted. I'm away from my family. I'm 24. You know, this is a really big shock to me. I've been in the military for about six months. So I literally went from straight out of basic training, AIT, to war. So I thought all of that was just why I was so tired. So I discovered my cancer in 2009, go through all of my treatment. I had 17 cycles of chemotherapy. I did five days on, eight days off, five days on, eight days off. And I continued that for about 10 months. And they also removed my adductor muscle. So that's the muscle that allows you to like sprint and jump or it's one of the muscles Um, To help with like the agility movements and to keep your legs in. So it's a muscle that brings your leg in when you're walking or running or doing flutter kicks, stuff like that. Um, So they removed that. While I was sick with cancer, I started creating a, I started writing in a journal. And the journal was kind of like um, a dedication kind of a little bit to my nephew. So everyone thought I was going to die, everybody, the doctors, no one really knew if the treatment was going to be responding or not because they had never really seen a case of urine sarcoma in person. They'd never treated it. They'd never dealt with it. So all my treatments were from like the fifties or the sixties. I don't know which. And they also
0: didn't know what it was at first, right? I can remember your time, I think, did they misdiagnose it as a different cancer or they, yeah.
1: Yeah. So they first told me that it was a nerve sheath tumor. And then after I do another biopsy and I walk to read and, you know, um, have to get a, like a clear definitive answer of what exactly I have, then they then tell me that it's Ewing sarcoma cancer. And I'm like, oh my goodness. What so else
0: that- you told me that I thought was so crazy was you said, I remember you were talking to me about the process and you were in one of the doctor's offices and I think they, they were saying, well, I hope, you know, at least it's not you sarcoma. Let's hope it's not that. And they literally said that. And then that's what it was, but they didn't know at the time. And then you come to find out this is what it is. But I, I, what I also think is interesting is you were telling me this cancer is something that is more frequently found in just young Caucasian boys.
1: Yes. So I was like, (laughs) "What?"
0: that's also pretty crazy as well. And, you know, especially like you were saying, you were in the best condition of your life Mm -hmm. in the military, six months in basic training, all this kind of stuff in such good condition that, Mm -hmm. you know, you were, you know, just having that experience and thinking, wow, you know, this can affect people, you know, of all kinds of just any situation that was crazy, especially
1: hearing that. I was like, yeah. Oh. You knew, and when I, when I first got diagnosed with, or when I was first thinking that it could be cancer, I'm thinking it can't be cancer because I'm healthy, I'm young, I'm in the best shape of my life. You know, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't do drugs. Like, I don't do any of those habits. Like, why would I have cancer? Newsflash cancer happens to everybody and anybody at any stage of their life. Like, infants get cancer, somebody in their teens, the 20s, 30, 40, 50s. Like, it doesn't matter how old you are or what bad habits you have or how great of a person you are, you are liable to get it at any point of your life. It happens yeah. to so many people. That's you know? something
0: too, is that, you know, sometimes I know, I feel like that's how I used to think before. I was like, Oh, usually if you get cancer, maybe you're older or you're sick or mm-hmm. something was going on, but no, that's really, really the fact that it can affect anyone in any condition anywhere. Yes. Yes. And I was just, you know, Cause I, cause I feel like sometimes people don't know a lot about it. And I was definitely one of those people who did not know a lot about cancer. So I feel like right. that's why I thought this is what it is when it wasn't, yeah. but right. I would love to hear, you know, more about your experience with Ewing sarcoma. So you shared, mm-hmm. you shared the story with me last time about mm-hmm. particularly about mindset during that time that I thought was really cool. So what was it like and what was the most helpful to you? in terms of mindset during that time when you were going through that?
1: So of course, when you're going through this really, really hard time in your life and whatever age it is, it's like, you're not prepared really for it at all. Um, so of course you're going to be sad. You're going to be depressed. You're going to feel helpless, hopeless. You're going to have all of these feelings that are very foreign to you. Um, but I think it's very important that these people who experience this, they, there has to be a, like a time limit. You can't just sit in this pity and wallow in your sorrows for the entire duration because you're going to continuously to attract all of that energy into you. You want to feel happy. You want to feel good. So you don't always have to keep continuously focusing on, you know, you're sick, I'm going to die from cancer. And this is going to happen to me. Like I understand that. And, it, and and that's, I feel like there is a time period where you can't play the victim the whole time you know so it's like okay this happens to me this happened to me or whatever the, the case may be now it's time to okay do you want to feel like this forever do you want to be this in this position if the answer is no then you need to start thinking on your future and how great it's going to be and how are you going to beat this and what life is going to be like after the chemotherapy after the treatment so start looking forward to these things in life Um, even though you've, you have something right now that's hindering you, it's not always going to be the case. And so with me, I definitely was very sad. I was very depressed, very helpless and hopeless, all of that. But there came a point in my life where I said, you know what? I don't even know what time frame. I think it was like three months into the treatment. And I was just like tired of being sad and sick and not well. And, and I'm like, the only thing I can control are my thoughts. You know, and my thoughts and what I'm thinking is like, it's making me feel bad. It's making me feel sad. I feel not well. So I'm like, if I can just turn it around, even if I don't really feel like it, like yeah. just start changing my language wow. and changing things like that really helped me create a shift. And I remember talking to my mom and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be a victim twice. So I'm a victim to cancer. Like, I feel like I couldn't really do anything, but I don't have to be a victim to the prognosis to everything that the doctors say that's gonna be happening to me, so I was like, you know, I'm I'm gonna beat this, and I don't know how it's gonna happen, I don't know when it's gonna happen, but I'm gonna be a miracle somehow, some way, and my story. And I remember telling you, I was like, my I'm gonna help people, like this story is gonna be able to be a life changing um, situation, and it lo and behold, you know, it, it took years. <laughs> it's like twelve years later, but. It really, like, I can see why it happened. I can see um, the transformation. I can see when I'm talking to people, like, I'm able to give them hope and inspiration and let them know, yeah, but you have your thoughts with you. You can control your mindset. And if you can control your mindset, then you can really control anything. Because cancer, it's really a mental game because it strips you away from all of your physical strength. The only thing left is your mind. You need to be able I love to know that. that. That's it's amazing. So true. That's incredible. So true. That's
0: so incredible. Especially, you know, bringing up the point of the power in our thoughts and how that those are our own, and we have those, and we can we can control those and turn those yeah. and flip those into, yeah. like you said, you know, when you were sitting there three months into treatment and and still feeling very down, very sunken in this place of feeling like there is no hope, there is no anything moving forward, but being able to turn that around and say, you know what, I don't need to sit here and be a victim twice and i think that's mm-hmm. amazing to bring up that mm-hmm. point and also another thing i think is really cool is the fact that you kept this journal you kept this mm-hmm. journal and you were and i and and turned this into the book that i have right here sitting in front of yes. me that arrived today and i'm excited you guys it is the enemy inside me she wrote this incredible story that i'm super excited to read about her experiences with ewing sarcoma with, with military experience and all of that and being able to really you know, put that into something where people can hold it and read, read it and relate to it and mm-hmm. some way, in some form, hear your story and see what you went through and say, wow, if, if this, this happened to her and she overcame this and this is what she did, then maybe I can't too. Maybe right. there's, there's hope. And just exactly. having that maybe I think is so powerful when you're in such a, such a dark whole state of mind, maybe it is. It is. You grow into possibility and then working towards overcoming that. And I think that's Mm -hmm. so, so awesome and just so important. And, you know, again, like that makes me want to get more into the book. So I'd love to, yes, to dive more (laughs) into this. So I remember you telling me about the book initially And, Mm -hmm. you know, like I mentioned before, starting out as a journal that you were keeping for your nephew, Donovan, during your journey battling Ewing's sarcoma. Um, So I want to hear, so why did you write about it in that journal? And what was it like turning that into a book?
1: So the doctors, the team of doctors, um, they really didn't have any great news for me. So everyone thought I was going to die. I would have the chaplain coming in and out of my room, like at least... Once a day, and it would happen for months, months, months. Well, not months. We'll say about a good two months. Come in like once a day. Then it went from once a day to like once a week. Then it went for like every two weeks, and then it was just once a month. But they were doing that because they wanted me to. Was I ready to die? Um, uh, are my affairs uh, arranged correctly? Um, is my will updated? Uh, is everything left to where it needs to be? And so I'm literally thinking, oh my god! Like nobody really thinks I'm gonna live. Everyone thinks I'm gonna die. Like, I, and I have this little nephew who's two years old and he's so young and you know, and I'm like, I'm not gonna be able to watch his soccer games. I'm not gonna be able to watch him do anything. I'm not gonna watch him grow up. This is like the most I'm gonna see is this little tiny person. I'm like, this is terrible. Like, I know going through this was really hard for my family and for me leaving them. But I was really distraught that I was going to be leaving my nephew and not building any type of relationship with him. So I kind of just started writing a journal. And a journal was really him and I and my mother, what we were doing, what was going on, you know, um, just documenting everything that I can in the event that I did die. I wanted to leave that for him. So he knew that, you know, he had an aunt and it's more than just something on paper. And I loved him and I wish I could have stayed longer. So I was just really just pouring my heart out about what was going on. And, I'm so sorry that this has to happen. And if I could be different, like I would stay. So it started out as a journal to him. And then about three months into it, after I changed my frame, I was like, I'm going to live. I'm going to be this miracle. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And when I did that, I said, and if it does happen, I'm going to change this journal into a book. Did I know how it was going to happen? No. I had no clue, but that was a goal of mine. It was a far-fetched goal, but I was like, I'm, that's, that's my goal. That's what I'm going to do. So then years later, I live, and I get accepted into an MFA program um, under um, Savannah College of Art and Design for grad school, and I used my journal as my thesis, and they kind of fix it up, and they help me out a little bit. And so my whole goal was to like publish this work that I have, this thesis now. And then um, I remember them reading it and they were all so touched. They were crying. They're like, you know, we're really into it. And they were like, we highly suggest that you finish it. And I'm thinking it's done. <laughs> I'm, there's I love no more that. going on that thing. Like I'm finished. There's no more going on. Like I can't write anymore. So I published it in 2018 and I kept my promise and that's how it that's
0: amazing. I, I remember you telling me that story of w- mm-hmm. when you were in school and using the journal as your thesis and then, you know, having, p- having people read it and have these reactions and mm-hmm. responses of, you know, just being so overwhelmed with emotion and actually feeling connected. That's really what I honestly love the most
1: mm-hmm. about
0: emotion because I feel like sometimes it's so... It could be so taboo to show how you feel and express your feelings, but I think it's so incredible when you're able to do that and connect with somebody and have them leave reading this journal and saying, wow, like Mm. this did something for me, this did something for me, this caused something within me. And that's what I think is the, the best thing of how, of that, that reaction and you actually taking that and turning it into a book. Cause that's such a, mm-hmm. that's such a huge accomplishment, you know, to do mm-hmm. that. And I, didn't
1: know I was going to do it. I know. <laughs> it happened. I was like, y- okay, I'm just going to go for it. Go. For yes.
0: It. And that's, it. that's so inspiring. Just, I mean, to so many people, even, even me, you're very inspired, like making me want to actually get, finish my book and do that because, you know, seeing the, just the power in, your story and your experience and how you were able to change your mindset and flip that, I think is so incredible. And so val. I mean, anybody can take away so much value just from Mm -hmm. that, from shift. And it doesn't matter what, you know, situation or struggle you're facing, whether it's cancer or something else, something, whatever it is, you know, just having a shift in how you view what's in front of you, how you Mm -hmm. view yourself, how you view your capability or ability to move forward and really being able to like take control of that. Because sometimes, you know, we feel like when we have these thoughts of fear, shame, especially cancer and feeling like you are going to die. This is it. Everyone around me thinks that I am going to die and they're trying to prepare me for this. Right. Being in that, that moment and just having all this happening around you, that is to anybody, of course, you know, understanding how overwhelming that is and for someone like you to be able to switch that and say you know what I'm going to I'm going to get through this I don't know how but I'm going to and having that mindset because like you said you know when you really think about it you know with cancer it strips away the physical so you are really left with your mind your yeah. thoughts and you know yes. that's but because it is so easy i feel like to be overwhelmed and, to, and to just sink deeper it's easier but it takes i think it takes a lot more to come out of that, come out of that place and really move forward in that way. So I, you know, that to me resembles so much mental strength. And we talked a lot about that last time we were speaking and Mm -hmm. you said something powerful to me that I wrote down because I always write things down that people say so I could bring it up later. I'm like, this is amazing. So you explained to me the um, necessity in having mental strength because Mm -hmm. the cancer takes away physical strength like we mentioned so what did you do to stay mentally strong throughout your experience with cancer
1: i lived for the future i found things to live for i went out and bought a car i told you the story about getting the car that i got yes like i literally had to talk the salesperson into letting me purchase the car because i was so sick i was ill i looked not well, and I remember sitting, her name was like Betsy or something with a B. She (laughs) lived in, um, but uh, it was in Maryland, Silver Springs, Maryland, at the Kreitz Kreitz Center or something in in Maryland. And I remember talking to her and telling her like, I need this card, this card's gonna help me live. I'm gonna have something to look forward to. So having things to look forward to for the next day or the next hour, or whatever it is, like what is it that's pushing you to make- What was so
0: cool. about that was how you, you were telling me that story about the, getting the car and ha, and looking forward to the car payments. And I was oh, like, I what, I was like, what an awesome yes. thing. What an awesome thing. Cause you know, who really does, who really sits there and is like, I'm going to pay my car payment. I'm excited. I'm fired up about this, but you yes. saw that you wanted that and you yes. were, and that's, a, that's so cool. Like. Wow.
1: I, I could, I was there every month and sometimes I'd pay double.
0: <laughs> oh love, my gosh. Yeah, I, loved I that I was,
1: I needed something to look forward to. Of course, you need a strong support system, but like what is going to keep you for the next day, for the next week, for the next month? What is it that's driving you? What's giving you purpose to breathe and live? And I was just looking for any and everything that I could did, that I could live for. So it was going to be the book that would then turn into a, um, I mean, the journal that would turn into the book. It was watching my nephew grow up, it was getting this car and making these payments. It was, you know, um, being strong enough so I can, like pave a path for people who then have sarcoma in in the in their future sometime so it was just small little bits of things that made me feel like like I have to live like you cannot give up you know this is not the end of your story this is just a chapter of your story like this doesn't have to be the whole story so whatever I could do to make myself live I even I remember there was one point um I think I was a PFC at the time and i had one of my ncos who were coming in she was in charge of me at the warrior transition unit so it was a wtu unit and um i remember talking to her. she was also a cancer survivor and i remember talking to her i was like sitting in my bed i'm all like sick and stuff and i remember saying to her uh you know i should be getting promoted in the next month here coming up pretty soon and she's like money should be the last thing on your mind i'm like it's beyond money like this is something to look forward to. Like, I'm going to be a, you know, a specialist coming up pretty soon. I know I'm in like a wheelchair and I'm not feeling well, but this is something that's um, that I'm looking forward to, you know? So next month I'm going to be a specialist. My money's going to increase. I'm going to pay money on a car payment. Like I had weird little things that really just helped me feel like I was in control again.
0: Wow. I love that. How you talk about the future, how you talk about these things that you have to, help you move forward, especially during that time that, you know, Mm -hmm. needing those things, like you said, watching your nephew grow up, having this car, making the payments, you know, getting that promotion, all these things and they all (laughs) add up. And that's the thing, you know, especially, Mm -hmm. especially seeing someone like that, you know, whenever I, you know, hear stories like this and run into people who have just such a, I don't know, like resiliency or what, I don't know what the word is for that, but just the way that you approach the situation and what you're facing with such an attitude of like res- persistence and being able to move forward and knowing that you will knowing mm-hmm. that there's no other there's no option of failing there's no option of of dying or anything you are going to move forward yes. and you and are it, making that you a have thing
1: to talk yourself into believing that like I had to like I would be in denial about being sick with cancer until I'd look into the mirror and I'd be like, oh yeah, that's why everyone's staring at me and looking at me like I'm crazy because I don't have any hair, I have dark circles under my eyes, like I look very ill, but I was so convinced that like, I'm gonna be well, I feel, I mean, I felt sick, but I would tell myself you're well, you're fine. I would talk to my leg. I would tell my leg that you're gonna beat this cancer. This cancer is, you have no home here. And I would talk to myself constantly about how I'm gonna be better soon and how this is just gonna be an experience. One of these days, I'm gonna talk about this and I'm gonna help somebody. So I really just focused on the future and how I was gonna be doing in the future and not really harping too much on how I was feeling and how sick I was and how terrible I felt because I did, but I would just be like, you know what, mom, I'd be sitting in the bed with the IVs hanging and you know chemo going through my body. And I would just tell her, you know what, this time next year, We are going to laugh about all this stuff that was happening because we would laugh. We would have a really good time in the hospital room. We would be cracking jokes, having a good time and just enjoying ourselves in in that moment. So I would always tell her, like, you know, this is going to be something that we're going to look back on and be like, wow, we went through that. We did this together because she was there for me the entire time. She did not leave my side. Not once.
0: I love that so much. And especially, you know, when you were t- first telling me about the cancer experience and I would love if you could talk about that. Cause it's, it's, it was just so wild to me to hear about, you know, you were, I think you said you were in Afghanistan and then they took you to Germany and the, you, you went like all over the place, right? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So at
1: so, uh, first I was in Iraq. So I went from Iraq to Germany and in Iraq, I had, so I was at this, this fob called uh fob echo. So I was there for a brief moment, like four months and that's when I got sick. Um, so I went from there, then I went to Baghdad and Baghdad, I was there because I had to get a CT scan of this massive mass that I had in my leg. So I went from Baghdad to then uh, Germany, Laustral, Germany, and I stayed there for about a week or so, or five days, I'm not sure. And they had to do an MRI. So we did the MRI and while we're doing the MRI, I remember the doctor telling me that he prays that it's not Ewing sarcoma, that he hopes that it's a nerve sheath tumor. And I'm like, what the beep is that? What do you mean? What does all this mean? So I had no clue what these things were. I didn't even even know what a tumor was. I'd never met anybody with a tumor. I literally was like a fish just dropped into the ocean and I'm used to like, you know, being in a little fishbowl. I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is crazy. So then I find out, you know, both of these are some kind of cancers and I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope it's a nerve sheath tumor, not human sarcoma. So they get the biopsy back and then he tells me that, you know, it's a nerve sheath tumor and I'm like, whew, okay. Like, okay, now I can breathe. Like, all right, it's a nerve sheath tumor. That's the better one. That's the one the doctor said I should have. Like, okay. So this entire time I'm thinking this massive, huge, you know, lump in my leg is a nerve sheath tumor. So then I have to go to Walter Reed because I have to get my treatments and my, and my care and all that. Finally get there. And they say they have to do a new biopsy. And I'm like, all right, like, why, why would you have to do that? It's, it's a nerve sheath tumor. Like they told me that, you know, a couple days ago and they assured me that, well, we have to make for sure that this is that type of cancer. And then we have to make sure that the cells are new because we have to test those cells again and they're dead from, You know, weeks ago. So we do the new one, and then they come back and they tell me it's Ewing sarcoma. And I'm like, what? Wow. Yeah, and I just start crying. Hysterically, and my mom's like shushing me and telling me everything's gonna be okay and don't worry, you know, it's gonna be all right. And I'm like, that's the one they said they didn't want me to have. I looked it up online, it says I'm gonna die. It says it, you know, it spreads from my lungs to my spinal cord wow. to my brain.
0: That makes me think of, you know, when you were mm. telling me about when you first got the scan and the doctor goes, well, I hope it's not Ewing sarcoma. I'm like, why would someone say that? Like to even put it out, even to put it out there into the universe of this, this could be, but we hope, you know, cause that, yeah. I mean, just, I mean, imagine anybody getting a diagnosis like that and hearing, okay, well, and then they, then you think it's something else. You're like, okay, it's this nerve sheath tumor. That's what it is. Okay, great. <sighs> Yes. And then you hear somebody say, well, I hope it's not that one. Cause if that's that one, that's, you're going to die. It's really bad. And then you get told mm-hmm. it's that one. Of course, yeah. that would make anybody, you know, fr- be like, what just happened? You know, you yeah. just, you just got your scan. You were told it was this. Now you're being transported to Walter Reed. They're doing another scan. And on top of that, you know, you're sitting there like, why am I doing another one? I already got to." Yeah so much is happening. You know, you've been like so many places, you were at Iraq, Baghdad, Germany, Walter, all these places, all these, you know, the scans and all this stuff and having to deal with that and just really being able to, you know, just go through that, have that experience and have the mental strength that you did, I think is so great, like amazing. Wow. <laughs> like
1: I know, just- And I think about it all the time, like, wow, you know, it's still like, it's just so surreal so surreal that and then I have like this scar to remind myself like yeah this really did happen you know but it's like wow I went through a lot you know at such a young age too right
0: and you know and you know you were in the remember you were telling me that um you were you just got out of Uh, training when you were new into the military and you were thinking you were going to be deployed. And then, then I think this is right when everything started happening, you were like ready to go and you're getting ready and seeing where you want to go. And then you were told, no, you can't do this and all. And it just
1: all started happening like right, Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. at once. So when you go through basic training AIT and they're always constantly telling you that you know some of you are going to go straight to iraq i mean some, some of you are going to go straight to war some of you are not going to come back alive some of you are going to uh, experience traumatic things and you're not going to come back mentally like alive or um the same so i'm thinking whatever you know this is yeah. not gonna happen <laughs> like come on man like i just joined the military like why would they send me or any other brand new soldier to war when we just learned how to shoot an m16 there were 50 you know a handle a 50 cal throw a grenade clear a room um see if the la- uh, the lung had collapsed like we're just learning how to do all this stuff like why would they like and then they, they told you
0: you were going right yeah. isn't that what happened yeah. you were like no yeah. like i'm not gonna go and then they tell you well you're going here
1: and yeah like, yep what? yes and then i get to my first main duty station i'm there for one month in nine days and my first day there, I'm talking to my NCO, who's in charge of me at, at um, Fort Carson in Colorado. So I'm there, and I'm talking to him. And think, I'm so excited. I'm so happy that I'm starting my life now. You know, I'm gonna have this job. I'm have a career. I'm in the military. You know, I just I cannot wait. I'm so excited. And then he turns around and, you know, so we're having a conversation and I'm telling him how excited I am about what's gonna be happening. And I'm looking forward to this. And he turns around and says, your unit just got deployed. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, what do you mean? It got, we got deployed. He's like, yeah, they're like, literally they're packing up and everyone's going. I'm like, um, what are you sure? Like, is this even allowed? (laughs) And where were you deployed?
0: So where were you? And then where were you being deployed to?
1: I was in Fort Carson, Colorado Springs, and that's a rapid deploying area. And I picked that place. I didn't know that. I just wanted to go because there's deers and there's, yeah. foxes, and there's bears. And I love working out and I wanted to jog and run and experience the snow and all that stuff. So I'm thinking I'm going to this beautiful nature, picturesque place when really I'm not even there very long. I'm there and I'm literally like training for Iraq and we're leaving. Um, so from there we then go to um, it's called uh, Diwaniya it was 86 miles South of Baghdad. And that's exactly where we ended up going to, but I was in complete shock. Like, I was like, how is this even allowed? Like, I feel like there should be some sort of buffer here to let me, like, you know, even though the AIT and basic is preparing you to go to war, like, that's what you sign the paperwork for. This is what's happening. But I was just, I felt like I wasn't ready mm-hmm. to really put it all into action just yet. I was really just wow, yeah,
0: because that that's surprising to me too. I remember you were first telling me about that, and you know, you just you said you just got done with basic training, and you know, you're like, how can someone who you know just learn how to shoot a gun? You're out, you're going right here. But yeah. you know, that 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 is so wild. You know, just the whole story of how that how all of it unraveled and happened, and how you know you got deployed, and then then the cancer hit, and then you know, getting treatment for that, and going through all the stuff, and then you know, doing the journal, and then going to school and using that as your thesis and turning it into a book. I just think it's so like, it's a great, <laughs> this is a great story. I love it. You know, just like all, just the, the whole attitude that, you know, you've really had. And also, I want to also talk about um, the inspiration behind starting resume advantage. Cause I remember you yeah. telling me about that. and I thought that was so Cool that you started something like that because of because of your own experience so i'd mm-hmm. love if you could get into that and talk to me about what it is where you got mm-hmm. the idea f- um, from and the impact it has had on you and others
1: okay so when i was so my entire plan for joining the military was to um of course defend my country be part of a huge organization that i'll be super proud of and proud to be in and represent uh but it was also to someday become an officer and retire in the military so that was my entire goal like i want to be in here i'm a lifer we call them a lifer i'm being here forever this is my job this is what i'm gonna be doing this is my new life so when i ended up getting sick i realized that i'm kind of like a hindrance to the organization to the army i can't run i can't sprint if i got deployed again god forbid that i get into a firefight I would be a liability because I can't get them to sprint and run like I need to. I can't, my leg is dragging. I don't have the strength anymore. So I was just kind of really beaten up and sad about that. So I ended up going through the um, the transition program where it's about six or eight months on one of them. It's been a while. And where they do your resume, they do your cover letter, they get everything all ready for you. And Um, So through this program, they kind of prep you and get you ready for transitioning out of the military into the civilian sector. Um, So with that, I went through the program and the resumes were very like cookie cutter, like everybody had the same type of resume. If you and I both were 42 alpha, your resume is going to be the exact same as my resume because we did all the same training. We did all the same jobs. There's nothing that's going to really stand out, maybe a couple of awards and stuff like that. But and deployments and, you know, things like that. But I felt like the resume lacked originality. It lacked um, uh, what made us truly stand out as individuals, because if we're both trying to go for the same job and all of our resumes say the exact same thing, like how do they know who to pick and why they're picking them and if we're good for this organization? So I was really bummed out that this was my experience. And lo and behold, that was a lot of people's experience, even till this day. When they're getting out they all feel not very prepared and it's not like it's the military's fault or whoever's fault it's just maybe it's not hitting its markers correctly so when i was going through the program i was like if i could just help others or if i could um you know be some of some sort of service to let people know that yes you're going to be getting out however there's this program or this service that can help you A transition smoother and make you feel ready and confident to be in front of these employees to sell you and communicate your value. I think that'd be great. So I opened up resume advantage and that was for Originally started out for those in the military. Transitioning out for the veterans coming to the civilian sector and kind of communicating their value and their experience on paper, the correct way so they can get the jobs that they deserve because a lot of people don't know that they qualify for that position all they have to do is a little bit of tweaking and changing the jargon and presenting themselves the proper way they can get the position they can talk to that position they can sell themselves that way uh, so that's what i do now and that's how i feel like i'm able to give back and to help people and i just feel like it's it's a great 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 position to be in because i'm a life changer i literally am able to help people get jobs where they're making twenty thousand, like 40 grand it's like a hundred thousand dollars and it's all, if you can change the verbiage in the resume, you can get the job. And of course you, you have the experience as well, but you can get that job and have so many people that will reach out to me. I got one guy, I'm not going to say his name. I'm sure he wouldn't care, but he's been offered <laughs> like five jobs, all military, all, all, all uh, contract positions, government positions. And one of the jobs offered him $120,000 to start off with. He was supposed wow. to get it. happen. happened. But after that, he told all of his friends and I'm getting so many references and people and it's like, wow, I'm really able to help these people get these positions and it's so rewarding. So I opened up that business because I knew that there was a missing component that could help service people who are getting out and you've given up so much of your life already and you've defended your country, you know, so the best thing I can do or I can help with is help them transition to the right job Yes, so well, I, I love
0: mind. that. I thought that was so cool when we were we were talking about that before you you let me know about Resume Advantage and how your own experience was as well, you know, with with being in the transitional program that you were in where all of the resumes looked the same or identical or very similar and also having other people struggle with that as well and saying the same thing coming out, same kind mm-hmm. of issue and I think that's amazing that you you created this to be able to help people And right, like you said, communicate their value in front of employers and really do that in a way because, you know, not – and I I also like how you mentioned, you know, that, you know, it's not anyone's fault why this isn't working. You're just – you just have something to to help it out, you know, a solution to help people with that transition because – you know I don't know I don't know what that's like because I've never been in the Army or military to transition out of, but mm-hmm. I've talked to people who have and they did you know bring up kind of similar things as you you were saying you know kind of how there there seems to be some gaps in getting getting out and coming back to civilian life when it comes to you know jobs and different things and just dealing with trauma and processing that and you know, getting help with these things. But I think that's so Mm -hmm. important and such a thing that is needed for people, you know, to have that as an option, you know, if they Mm -hmm. are struggling with that or wanting to learn more about something or fix, fix a certain thing, just having that as an option that's out there and available. So I think Mm -hmm. that's awesome. And incredible. And I also, you know, want to say thank you to you, Brandy, thank for you. making the time to come out here on Crooked Illness and chat with me, share your story, mm-hmm. which is amazing. And just, you know, get into all the details with, you know, what it was like with Ewing Sarcoma and a little bit of the background, you know, being in the military and starting resume advantage and having all of these experiences. I think it's been so awesome talking with you and and thank hearing the you. details on all of this. So course yes thank you
1: for having me i've had a great time yes you have a good time it goes by so fast I'm like, i know oh i
0: know i was like this is not gonna be so much fun and you guys when you guys you need to check out her book the enemy inside me i have my copy sitting right here in front of me I have it right
1: here woo, woo, woo. How oh, exciting i'm so yes. excited to read it you're yes. going to love it. It's super, 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 so detailed. So detailed. Like you're, And you're not going to be able to put it down. It's really good. I'm very excited for you. I love that. You might I love books like bit.
0: that. Oh, probably. More than likely, 100%, probably yeah. will. So you guys, yeah. check her out. Brandy Benson, she's awesome. She's on Instagram as well. I will also tag yeah. you there and do a post about this episode once it is out. But you guys, wherever you are listening to this, whether it is morning or nighttime, I hope that you have a great rest of your day. And I'm going to end it on that note. All right. Bye, guys. And bye, Brandy. Bye. All right, guys. That is the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I enjoyed creating it. As always, if you guys would like to get in touch with me to talk about becoming a guest or to share your thoughts on this episode with me, you can do that in a number of ways. You can shoot me an email to crookedillness at gmail.com. You can send me a DM on Instagram at crookedillness, or you can message me on my Facebook page at crookedillness as well. I hope you guys have a beautiful rest of your day. And thank you so much for listening to Crooked Illness.